0: This Wicked Chops podcast is brought to you by Amber Gaming, a platform with a plan. Visit www.ambergaming.com.
1: Never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy.
0: Now,
2: tuned into the motherfucking greatest. Uh, 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 uh.
1: Turn the music up in the headphones. Uh, 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 Tim, you can go and brush your shoulder off, nigga. I got you.
0: Welcome to the Wicked Chops podcast. We are powering through uh, a number of interviews over the coming weeks. Joining us, I think, for the first time. Is this the first time on a podcast, Jen?
1: Yeah, it is. I don't want to sound like an ingrate, but it's well overdue.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely sound like an ingrate. But uh, joining (laughs) us for the first time is uh, Jen Mastrood, who is head of the Heartland Poker Tour. Uh, also, of course, Jay. Jay, how you doing in Boston? I am cold, but otherwise I'm well. Okay. So uh, let's just get right into this because it's really almost a miracle that we are doing this podcast uh, because I am actually supposed to be dead to you, Jen.
1: <laughs> exactly. You know, you almost got me fired. That's, that's my point. Uh, you kind of owe me.
0: Yeah, no kidding. Uh, so why am I dead to you?
1: <laughs> well, back uh during when epic poker uh federated sports and gaming owned us uh I was forbidden from talking to you uh They hated you, you were such a nuisance uh I was told that chops was dead to me wow and uh was was I dead to everyone or just you? Well, you were dead to everyone, but I was uh particularly under suspicion as being the one that was leaking information to you okay. <laughs> uh, let, I, I actually, let me ask
2: the question that our listeners are going to want to know were you the one leaking information to him
1: <laughs> no it was like being on uh, death row and being falsely accused I was actually told uh, that they will find out who leaked the information and if it was me I would be fired it, what was so absurd about it at the time is they had already been missing payroll so they weren't even actually paying me <laughs> But no, I, I never did find out who was leaking information. People just tell chop stuff. I don't know why, but he he gets this stuff and
0: yeah. And the the amazing thing about it is uh, you know, we're of course I'd never reveal sources, but they would have been shocked had they known who was actually feeding me the info. Um, and it, it was uh it, it was a couple of different sources, but they I think would have been really, really surprised at at who who was spreading this, uh, this information that um, I was if,
1: blasting out Whoever was taking information to you, thanks a lot. <laughs> Can it's I just great. say that, I, I feel
2: like we've got uh, a pitch for a sort of, Lifetime Channel Thriller, you know, the, the poker papers or something, you know.
0: <laughs> uh, I don't know. Jay, Jay, are you watching Lifetime now? Yeah, We've talked about some guilty pleasure stuff that, that you're into. Is Lifetime one of them? Well,
2: here's the thing. I am not, but I didn't think this would be that good a movie. So I thought that might be a good
0: place for it. You know, it's not HBO. <laughs> yeah, not AMC quality. No. So let's talk about, you know, we, we've covered ground and, and I've talked about it with Fred at, uh, on a podcast last year. But we mentioned Epic and no reason to, to kick a, whatever, beat a dead horse as much as fun as it is. But HPT is almost, what, about two years, a year and a half removed from the shit show that was federated in Epic and uh, has since been acquired by, by Pinnacle. Uh, all in all, how has that transition been for HPT?
1: It's been great. You know, Pinnacle has been amazing. It's the best possible outcome to that entire shit show. Um, it's been hard, though. I mean, it's it's been an uphill battle. We've um, we've come out on top, but it we haven't taken anything for granted. It's been a lot of work by a lot of people. Um, I'm lucky that we were able to put together a great team, and uh, and we've come out on top. The. Uh... Uh,
0: over the past uh, i guess you know year in particular and going into this year uh, it, it, one of the things that really is standing out is how much the tour has expanded uh, looking into california and then just a lot of other stops uh, tell us about getting into California i know that had been a uh, a long time goal uh, previously uh, under previous ownership uh, how that happened and, and where you guys are in California now
1: Sure, we're actually in four stops in California. We do the commerce, Uh, we do Thunder Valley, which is an event that's going on right now with uh, record numbers. The main event actually starts today. Club One in Fresno, which is a a fan favorite. Everybody loves that stop. And then we'll be going to Agua Caliente in the Palm Springs area for the first time, uh, I believe at the end of February, beginning of March. Um, It's uh, getting into California I was it, it's actually kind of a, a funny story it, it, it's always been hard one thing people don't understand uh, we don't get to just decide where we go it's actually uh, there's a lot of work involved from the casino aspect so getting these casinos to agree to bring in HBT has always been our struggle but now it's actually quite easy and we have a, a waiting list we have casinos calling all the time wanting to bring HBT. so that's been a really refreshing change but how commerce came about was actually pretty interesting uh, I got an email from a player named Debbie, who I'd never met before, but I get emails like this all the time. Hold on, hold
0: on. This is a female poker player?
1: It, it is a female poker I don't oh. know if she's any good shots. I'm just saying she okay. plays poker. Okay. <laughs> uh, but Debbie asked uh, if we would bring HBT to commerce, and I responded to her like I always respond to players and, and said, you know, sure, we'll go anywhere we're invited, you know, talk to commerce and tell them you want HBT. Didn't think anything of it, thought it was a long shot. A uh, couple days later, I got an email back from Debbie and she said, well, I, I mentioned it to Matt Savage and he actually said that he knows you and he would love to talk about it. So Matt Savage kind of got it going for us and, and kicked it up the ladder and uh, and we did our first event there last fall and we'll be back twice in uh, 2014. So thank you,
0: Debbie. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Debs. Have you uh have you noticed a maybe a change in perception? I don't know if that's the right way to put it, but you know, commerce is a huge score and it's uh you know one of the poker meccas. Uh is that something that really uh got on people's radar?
1: It did. You know, it's great for all of our venues uh when we can step up to that bigger stage. Uh some of our properties around the country are a little bit worried that we were gonna turn our back on them and just focus on these bigger venues but it, it really just brings everybody up uh, to that level
2: can you describe uh, you had said that there was a reluctance or you know you had difficulty getting into these larger venues can you uh, tell me like what was the reluctance of a place like commerce to bring HBT in
1: well sure you know commerce like key place it, it's just a lot of work to execute an HBT event uh, it's a lot of labor hours uh, it, there's just a, a lot that goes into it, and uh, a place like commerce, do they do they need something like HPT? Uh, our job is to get, convince them that we can bring something to the table and um, that they will benefit from our TV exposure, and and it worked. Cool. So uh, you know, going into to
0: 2014, we had just uh, posted a, a podcast with uh, Adam Pliska of World Poker Tour. Uh, and it it feels like the WPT is really extending their tentacles all over the place. There's some some massive growth, and it it kind of feels like HVT is too. What are some of the big things moving into 2014 as far as expansion of the tour?
1: You know, it's really interesting you say that. We, We spent most of the last 10 years going to places that were kind of off the beaten path in poker, um, markets that nobody really paid any attention to like Black Hawk Colorado really cultivated those markets one player at a time and uh, and now you know that we've actually um, been able to to grow this Hbt and, and get on a bigger stage on a bigger radar uh, now all these other tours are kind of following us into those markets and um, we have to, to keep pushing forward um, in 2014, we are going to Kansas City to the Ameristar property there, which is a really uh, exciting move for us. Many years ago, there was a, a Facebook fan page started that said uh, it was called I Want to Play HBT in KC. The players in Kansas City have been wanting this for a long time.
2: So, Jen. What makes a great stop for HPT that you're you're adding these new venues, and what are you really looking for, you know, when you look at Vicksburg or something like
1: that, what attracts you to the venue? Well, what we really need is a driver on property. We really need just one key person that's gonna lead the way and um, get the whole property engaged. It's really a property wide event uh, from hotel to food and beverage. Uh, everybody in the property really needs to come together to do this and we just need that one key person and if we have the, the right mix it's, that's, that's the recipe how
0: okay so i know you guys probably get this question a lot and i've been around some of these conversations so i know it happens but how odd is it really at the end of the day to be operating what within the industry and within poker is a major a major company in fargo <laughs>
1: In Fargo, North Dakota, the poker capital of the world. The poker capital,
0: uh, of the world. how does that happen? Yeah,
1: you know, it, it happens because Fargo was founded here. Um, Todd and Greg, who, who founded the company, happened to be based here, and they never really intended for it to be this big uh, national tour with international TV distribution. It was just kind of supposed to be a small regional show. Uh, so it's founded here, and we've, I guess, never had any reason to move. We can, but. Um, we're fine here. We have a pretty small crew. Uh, it, it's interesting because our show is not on TV here, and we don't visit any casinos in the area, so nobody in Fargo knows what HPT is.
0: <laughs> but yet, it's you know one of the more successful uh, you know tours uh, you know within the industry. Uh, so, like, just describe for our listeners. Because yeah, most people's impression of Fargo, unfortunately, is or maybe fortunately, is the movie. <laughs> sure. What what what's daily life like there?
1: Today is not really a good day to ask me to be the head of the <laughs> tourism <team laughs> department. It's it, it's pretty cold and and miserable. Um, but of course, I'm I'm very loyal to Fargo. It's it's a good sized town with a lot of amenities and it's safe and. Um,
0: now is it safe because like you literally can't venture outdoors?
1: <laughs> uh yeah, uh basically, you know, uh we don't see our our next-door neighbors for 6 months cuz it's too cold. Uh
0: so other initiatives for the year. Uh you know, you're in a lot of new markets. Uh is there other uh let's say new projects that HBT is taking on?
1: Yeah, it's probably a little premature to, to talk about some of these, but we're in a unique situation now for the first time ever. We have a, a waiting list of clients, so we're trying to figure out how to accommodate everybody. And uh, it, it's our 10th season, so we're, we're putting together something that we want to be really big to mark our landmark year. And uh, I, I think you'll see a, a new product for HBT, a new opportunity and a new way to play HBT.
0: Uh, okay. Uh, when, when can we expect to hear more about that?
1: Uh, I, I hope I March 1st.
0: Okay. So you're a pretty, uh, you're a pretty big Justin Bieber fan, right?
1: Uh, I, I was, he's breaking my heart.
0: Yeah. So, so today he's, uh, you know, we're going on like back to back days. First, he's, uh, egging somebody's house and now he's, he's getting arrested for, uh, speeding. Jay, did you see this?
2: Yeah, that would that occupied my entire morning. I got no work done. <laughs> <the audience. laughs>
0: so, uh, great mugshot, though. I don't know if you guys saw the mugshot. It's a if, if you're gonna do a mugshot, he did the mugshot, right? But, uh, it, okay, so it's kind of hard to be a Biebs fan anymore. And you know, Beebs has a special place in our heart because when we were doing our This Week in Poker show, uh, we got a lot of shit for having Justin Bieber haircuts. <laughs> And uh, we even uh, we even gave away Justin Bieber dolls uh, saying that they were us on on a number of the shows. So, uh, you know, we kind of like the Biebs babies, just a great pop song. So yeah, you, you got the Biebs. But uh, we where I want to relate this back to poker is that Biebs is kind of in this. It seems like a suspended state of adolescence that you see with a lot of poker players that uh, just let's say have a hard time making that adjustment into Uh, being responsible or maybe a little bit away from entitlement. Um, Do you fault Justin Bieber for his actions? And obviously it's his fault, but do you kind of understand where maybe he's coming off the rails? Jay, let's start with you and then go to Jen. Oh no, no. Let's start with
2: Jen. I wasn't prepared to have intelligent uh, opinions on Justin Bieber's (laughs) actions. So so Jen, let's throw this to you.
1: (laughs) I, I mean, I guess I can kind of understand how we all created this monster with Justin Bieber. He uh, probably gave him too much too soon, but ultimately, you know, he, he has a privileged position and uh, he's responsible. Um, we, we can't cut him any slack, I, I suppose. I don't really see the, the link with poker players, though. I don't find poker players to be irresponsible and immature.
0: <laughs>
1: are you in the poker industry? Are you, are you, <laughs> you
0: You should really get out of Fargo
1: more often? <laughs> I think poker players are some of the most wonderful people I've ever met.
0: Wow, uh, that's that's very Jeffrey uh, Pollock Ian of you. Uh, let's, you know it, let's celebrate it, poker.
1: I say that a little tongue in cheek, but I, I am actually really serious. I I have uh, I've made some lifelong friends in poker and I've been really impressed with... Uh, A lot of the people that I've met, you know, either working in the industry or players, um, of course, they're not all uh, top shelf, but, uh, you know, the ones that are really make it uh, fun for all of us. Speaking of Alan Kessler, I was about to say,
0: speaking of a fun (laughs) poker player, uh, who's basically the (laughs) Justin Bieber of poker. (laughs) all, all all, All the girls are lining up to see him. Right. Is the chainsaw, Alan Kessler, who is player of the year. Um, I don't know, you know the historical of Kessler if he had played events in the past, but he was really all over the tour last year and has really become a, a big advocate. HPT seems like the only thing in the world that Alan Kessler actually likes. Uh, what, uh, w- what made that transformation?
1: You know, it, it's interesting. People think that we pay Alan Kessler, and we don't. Uh, he just likes our product. My first uh, introduction to Alan he blew us up on Twitter, like he he does. He's known to do. Um, sent me a lot of direct messages about how we needed to change our structure. And his approach isn't always right, but he was right. Our our structure sucked. Uh, so we listened to him. Uh, you know, we went out and got Daniel Negreanu's help with our structure. And uh, and you know, I have I have no problem um, making that change for him. Now, he gives us a lot of suggestions. Some we can implement. Some we can't. But you know, at the end of the day, he has had an impact in making HBT better for everybody.
0: And now he's the player of the year.
1: And now he's the player of the year. He's never won an event, but he went after it and, and got enough points for the title.
0: And you're looking at back to back, like what I would consider name pros as player of the year. You had Raymer in 2012 and Kessler in 2013. Is that a big shift that you see on tour where uh, not that it isn't you know, still a more amateur-focused tour, but that it's attracting more and more of these top pros? And if so, why?
1: You know, that's the awesome thing about HPT, I think. You know, we have several players that play professionally, but we still have a lot of amateurs. Uh, it appeals to both. We still um, fit our tournaments in on weekends so the everyday working man can play. But we are a lot of value Uh, so the pros are interested too.
0: The, uh, you know, one of the big things, and and I know she's still involved, but last year was getting Maria Ho onto Mm. the broadcast team. Yeah. Uh, explain how that happened and what impact she's had.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm really proud of, of that move actually in, uh, hiring Maria to be the first female commentator in, in poker. Um, It's pretty exciting for us. Of course, we didn't set out necessarily to get a woman. Uh, When Chris Hansen left us, you know, those were some tough shoes to fill. He's very good, and um, he is part of the family. Uh, So our our criteria for his replacement was somebody who knows what they're talking about, first and foremost. We really wanted an expert in that role. Uh, We wanted somebody who is well-respected in the poker community, somebody who will always represent us well. We don't have to worry about them out embarrassing us on the uh, professional circuit somewhere and then uh, what was really important to us was somebody that fit into our family you know no divas allowed and maria with all that and more i mean uh, she's she's been great and we're so so proud of her for her tournament success over the last year and just a lot of fun to have on the show
0: all right well thank you for joining the podcast a uh, long time overdue and long time overdue uh, yeah, no kidding. And uh, look forward to having you on sometime later this year.
1: All right. Sounds good. Great.
0: Okay, let's, uh, let's get into some, uh, some non-pokery stuff, and particularly uh, a show that's getting a lot of buzz. Jay, you're watching it. Uh, you sent me actually a really funny comment about it, but True Detective on HBO.
2: Yeah, so let me give you, if you're you're not familiar with it, let me give you the broad strokes. So we've got two detectives. One's sort of a dark soul, a little offbeat. You really don't know what his past is like. The other is more of a family man, but he seems to have some problems. And in the first episode, they stumble across a shocking death, one that really shakes them to their core. You know, and also, we've got like a real sense of place here. We really, you know, are very tied to the locale of it. So, if I were describing that to you, that would sound like what, like a dozen TV shows that you've seen? TV yeah, on? it
0: sounds like, uh, yeah, pretty much uh, almost every uh, show that AMC is uh, trying to create and failing to right now.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's like it, it seems extremely by the numbers, right? Yep. You could look just in the last, you know, Year the killing the 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 bridge, um, BBC's Broadchurch, which they're bringing over to 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 FX, you know it's such a familiar, almost cliched format that you don't know what to you know you'd expect like something that's very by the numbers, but you know you got a hint with True Detective that this was going to be something else because Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson aren't probably just aren't going to sign up for a piece of crap you know just uh, yet another. Uh, police procedural. And you can tell like a half hour into the first episode that this is different. That this is something that is just with a different level of nuance, a different type of quality um, than we've seen in this format before. I, I can't recommend it highly enough. I mean, they've framed, they've used a framing device of an interview with these two key detectives in this case, that being McConaughey and Harrelson, Fifteen years after the um, this case was you know investigated and somebody was arrested, okay. this all comes to light in the first like five minutes. Oh wow! And then you're so you're piecing it together. It's so effortlessly effortlessly done that they're putting this together sort of at multiple points in time. You know where they the original um, investigation, which you're seeing in flashback, the the detectives as they are 15 years later, as they're being interviewed about their work. And then you've got all this time in the middle that's sort of being filled in, you know, there's, and the, there's all of this stuff that's getting filled in in the middle and you really don't know where it's going. There's in it is just a really, really well put together piece.
0: All right. So, uh, you've sold me. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to try and binge watch online, uh, or at least catch up. And, uh, you actually had sent me one of uh, a really funny text ask, asking if I was watching it and then uh, telling me to make sure that I don't my daughter isn't within a half mile of the TV uh, while I'm watching it. Is it <laughs> is it gory? Is it the language? What is it?
2: It's just it's very, very dark. There's some sexual content. There's um, in the first episode, there's um, some imagery of you know, horrible violence that's been done to a victim of crime that's, okay. you know, that's very, very disturbing. Um, you know, I'll I'll note to other people who are, you know, who sort of get deep into their, you know, on demand and into Netflix that, uh, the other one, the other procedural that I'd really recommend is the BBC's Broadchurch. Um, I don't think it's quite as good as True Detective will, um, end up being, but, uh, but again, working with almost cliched elements, they pull together a really, really good show. And I would also encourage everyone to skip the killing. um, If
0: they never watch the killing, there's killing's one of the worst shows that has ever made it on TV.
2: The, I mean, they just what they did the end of the first season is one of the worst things I've ever encountered. Yeah. And then the bridge, which started out really nicely, I think that was an FX show, just went off the rails so quickly. It was so clear after like four episodes that they had like a. they they had an environment and they had a basic like start to a story. And then they had no idea where they were going to go with it.
0: Did it go Uh, off the rails worse than Homeland?
2: You know what? I saw like, like a good detective. I didn't see how Homeland was not going to go off the rails. So (laughs) I sort of, I sort of jettisoned, you know, I pulled the, uh, the escape valve early enough that i didn 't have to witness it
0: yeah i they, they lost me like three or four episodes in the second season, I never came back and you know, and from what i 've read i'm glad i haven't you had mentioned a uh, a couple of BBC shows, and uh from what I hear, true detective is uh very much like those uh British shows that only are committing to you know eight six eight ten episodes and that 's it Oh, uh, it's such a, it's
2: such a great choice, particularly for something like this i mean it, it looks like the way they 're going to do. True Detective is they're going to do eight shows and then they'll start it again next year with an entirely different cast.
0: Like a, oh, you know, so a, they're going to keep doing it just with different actors coming in.
2: That's that's the sense that I'm getting. I don't okay. know if it's been uh, been totally established, but um, you know it's such a great way of doing the, the thing that you get out of that kind of structure when you're doing eight, particularly when you're dealing with like a procedural like this, is you don't have to manufacture eight hundred thousand red herrings. Right. You know, if you're doing like sixteen episodes, that's a lot of content to fill. It's a lot of like you know, menace and blind alleys that the detectives are going to have to go down. A lot of you know, personal dramas that they're going to have to air, um, and it just becomes too much. It becomes just really difficult to you know to to put that together. Eight's a nice is a
0: nice number. Yeah, you know, you the like, the you killing know. should have just been called red herring. They had like. Right two or three red herrings a show, it drove me crazy. Uh, and uh, that's encouraging. Uh, it's just, you're right. You, you approach a show like this, um, particularly uh, yeah, a detective type show, um, the amount of creativity to keep it fresh um, and keep you on your toes and the amount of you know red herrings that you'd have to throw at it, uh, it just works better in these shorter bursts. So let's talk about the... The unexpected. Are you shocked as I am at this? I wouldn't even call it a resurgence. I would call it almost like an arrival of Matthew McConaughey.
2: Um. Yeah, he's definitely turned out to be the, I mean, arguably the most interesting Hollywood actor we've had in a you know in a while. Uh, Somebody who's really willing to take on difficult, interesting things.
0: But it's so completely out of nowhere because. You know, you like, there was a really promising start with Dazed and Confused. He, his character was awesome.
2: He was uh, amazing,
0: yeah. Uh, yeah, Wooderson is just, and, you know, people quote his shit still to this day. It was just a great iconic type character. Yes, I, I keep
2: getting older. They, keep, they stay yeah. the same age. Yeah, 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 and
0: all right, all right, all right, and yeah, yeah. all that stuff. Um, And then he just, not that he his career was a flop by any means, like, very successful, but it was in a bunch of puffy rom-coms, really. And then and not an actor that you really suspected maybe had this in him, um, even though I guess there was still that early promise in, in Days and Confused, but it, it's still different. And now all of a sudden he's taking on these like really heavy, meaty roles and getting acclaim for him. And uh, while well, I never saw it, I think it started with like this Magic Mike movie because he, mm-hmm. he, I heard he was really good in that. And then Mud and now probably the the best Oscar favorite in uh uh, for Dallas Buyers Club and now onto this true detective. It's just, I- I'm trying to think, can you think of an actor or maybe an athlete even that has had that kind of a career trajectory?
2: Um, Nothing, you know, if I had given more thought to it, I would, probably could. Um, you know, he's definitely somebody who is interested in the craft as much as being a star. Sure. Um, and I think that's, you know, I, I think Dallas Buyers Club was just kind of in you know, an okay
0: movie. Um, Have You you saw it?
2: I saw it. Yeah. It it's, was just, so the
0: movie itself wasn't that great.
2: It, you know, it's, it's okay. And I think it's well, inten- you know, it's a very well intentioned movie. It's a little sanctimonious um, and doesn't really get into the characters is, you know, it doesn't get into the story um, with the seriousness. I mean, it's, it, it's very, you know, it's somber, but it's not a serious movie. If you know what I mean? Sure. Um, and, and I think McConaughey does a very, very good job in it i don't think I don't think he's a brilliant actor you know honestly, I don't think he's a brilliant actor, um but I think he does a very, very good job in this, and you've got to give him all kinds of credit for you know i mean probably if he's not tied to this movie in this role, it doesn't happen, and he's really you know. I think he was like, almost like a De Niro, you know, De Niro in Raging Bulls, willing to change his body, right. in, you know, in a huge way and take on something that's very outside of his, um, you know, outside of his wheelhouse, you know, of, of just the super handsome movie star.
0: Was uh, I've read that Jared Leto wasn't all he was, uh, doesn't really deserve all the acclaim he's getting. Did you think the role was good for him?
2: He was fine. You know, I, I think it's really tough. I, I think it's very difficult for um when there are good performances in mediocre movies um, okay. which which really this this is just a mediocre movie okay um the you know the these trying so hard the the director writer is trying so hard to um you know bludgeon us with the with the theme and you know this uh, it's it's just a little tough to take, and I think that becomes really difficult for actors because like when the whole thing is weighing on you a little bit, and you know you're not really with a director who really knows what he's doing so well. I mean, you can put in some great performances, but the whole but as part of the whole that's just kind of weak. It doesn't it just doesn't sing. It just doesn't end up being as you know as really fulfilling. I mean, can you think of like think of a great great acting role? from a mediocre movie?
0: Uh, yeah, I've, I've had this conversation before and I'm blanking on it. There, there definitely have been a few where the movie is just like, oh my gosh, but there, there's an actor that's just absolutely crushing in the role um you know almost in spite of the material uh off the top of my head i, I just I, we had a, we hadn't prep for this uh for the company. no no
2: but that's what i that's what i mean i mean there are there are certainly examples out there but it's a rare thing you know it's just it's just
0: hard right i will say one um that uh, definitely stands out is while i still like the movie i didn't think it was as transcendent as it could have been but uh royal bombs. And Gene Hackman's role as the patriarch in that, uh, I thought it was one of the best acting jobs, like completely captivating, crushed the screen every time he was on it. But uh, he was he far outshined the movie, in my opinion.
2: And let let me bring up another point, uh, something that's really been under discussed about Dallas Buyers Club, Uh that uh, Jennifer Garner may be our worst movie actress. Oh, that bad, huh? Oh my God. I mean, I maybe, is it just me who has this aversion? to I, I didn't think
0: that uh, she was all that great in Juno. I remember uh, thinking that she was a, a weak link in that one, but
2: well, she's got exactly two facial expressions. <laughs> you know, uh, she's got like mild happiness and deep concern you
0: know, <laughs> yeah. deep, and she does a deep concern i know that deep concern oh yeah,
2: yeah no but you can also she, occasionally she'll smile if she's amused so in that but even that has this sort of undercurrent of concern <sighs> and it is just the most and she's you know super pretty and everything but it becomes incredibly cloying you just i just really want her to leave the screen after i see her for about three minutes um so i would you know, so I think that's something that people just really aren't talking about enough. How bad
0: I, I got and, I got it. Uh, sorry to cut, cut off, but it just <laughs> it just occurred to me. The Matthew McGonaghy comparable. OK, Paul Pierce. Please go on. Well, OK, so, you know, Paul Pierce, I, I know he dropped in the in the draft to the 10th pick, but, uh, you know, is definitely uh, somebody that came up with some promise uh, out of out of Kansas. High expectations did OK, kind of out the gate. But uh, definitely had his issues. Uh, maybe he wasn't quite living up to the potential that he had. And then uh, all of a sudden, I don't want to necessarily say out of nowhere, but uh, everything just kind of clicked for him. You know, he was a troubled Boston athlete. Uh, and then it just it, when it all came together, it all came together. And it's been yeah, you know, it, it was, a, it was a, as, as you know, as you as a Celtics fan it was probably a pretty enjoyable ride.
2: Yeah, and then seeing him now in the uh in the, the dawn of his career is a little sad. Watching the uh he and Garnett in, in in uh New Jersey has been a really, really depressing <laughs> to
0: see. Yeah, it'll be like if uh if McConaughey ends up going to uh a really bad A B C procedural in his fifties. Or something right. like that. Yeah. Right, 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 Just cash and big checks, but uh, you know. It's just not good. So, uh, okay. So, and one other thing you you were talking about the, I don't know if it's maybe the heavy handedness, but the, uh, maybe coming on a little bit too strong the way that Dallas buyers club was, I caught Lee, Lee Daniels, the butler. Uh, over the weekend, which was a good movie with really, really good acting performances. I'm not really an Oprah fan, but I thought she was fantastic in this. Mm-hmm. Um, but the ending felt so heavy-handed, the last act or so, that it, it kind of took away from a lot of the movie. Um, I don't know if, that, if that's what you walked away with, Dallas Buyers Club, or not. But uh, yeah,
2: it was. I mean, it's just it wasn't the ending of it. It was just sort of throughout, and just okay. like, I've got this real. Um, I just hate when people do that, just try to bludgeon you with a, uh, with a theme or a takeaway, you know, I think, like, you can be really, uh, you know, good storytelling is about letting the characters and the plot, you know bring you to the conclusion yourself you know if you're uh if you have to go to the oliver stone route and sit there and have the uh protagonist or the antagonist tell you what it was about then right. you're just not doing it right
0: right yeah it's funny as a guy who really likes to bludgeon points uh to exhaustion and myself uh i definitely don't like that in my entertainment but uh yeah okay jay uh good good pop culture recap we got to think of a good uh a good pop culture topic for for the next podcast uh i I think we're both getting knee deep into into uh seeing all of the movies so maybe we expand this to uh more oscar talk uh on the next one
2: yeah i think there's uh you know we've got so many good ones out right now um i think you just saw you saw her did
0: you? Yes. Yeah, I heard that. That's definitely uh, the, the, her I, I'd like to do something where we're talking her and Don John. Um, yeah, that so would, that of,
2: would work. I've got some opinions on Don John as well. That okay. I, that so I you've got a chance. Okay, cool. So
0: let's yeah. table that one then for uh, the next podcast and, uh, and expect uh, another, another wicked chops podcast with uh, another industry guests, uh, probably the early part of next week until then that's a wrap.
1: And